Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Beautiful Community. As the image of the Trinity, the church is called to be the beautiful community of unity and diversity. And everything we need to accomplish this has been given to us by God so that we might overflow with blessing for others. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. We are going to be today uh, looking at John chapter 20, verses 21 to 23. This is going to be the, the last in our uh, series that I've called The Beautiful Community, um, which has actually been looking at uh, seven different texts that are built upon the Trinity and how the life uh, of the Trinity, the relational nature of the Trinity, overflows into the life, the purpose, the mission of the church. And so today we're going to conclude with the church's mission. We'll be looking at John chapter 20, verses 21 through 23, so you can read along. And I encourage you to hear and receive the word of the triune God. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. A few years ago, uh, Linda and I went and watched a movie that was called All the Money in the World. And it was part of the story of J. Paul Getty. We've probably all heard of him. At the time, he was considered to be the richest man in the world. That was all the rankings they had, said he was the richest man in the world. And one of his grandsons, J. Paul Getty III, was kidnapped over in Italy. And there were all kinds of questions surrounding it. But as the ransom note came in, everybody thought, well, the richest man in the world is going to pay it. And he said, I'm not paying it, because if I do that, People will kidnap all my other grandchildren, and I'm not going to get caught up in that. Well, as time drug on and on and on, uh, and he kept thinking they were just going to release his grandson. They were trying to do negotiations with him. People were starting to look and say, your, your grandson is suffering. Then sure enough, not to be gross, but an envelope arrived one day with a note and the grandson's ear in it. They'd cut the ear off, and they said, we're serious, you're going to have to pay ransom here. And by the way, he's getting very sick. So J. Paul Getty, finally, the richest man in the world, agreed to pay $2.2 million of the ransom, which was not the full ransom. And you might say, well, why did he only pay $2.2 million if the ransom was greater? That was because that was the most he could deduct on his tax return. So he would only help out to pull his grandson out. And I'm not making any of this stuff up. He would only help out up to the limit of his tax return, but he was kind and he told his son, the second, who's the father of the third, uh, I will loan you the rest of the money at 4% interest that you are to pay back on a regular schedule to me, the richest man in the world. Later on, it was revealed by one of his many wives, he had a whole number of wives, as you can imagine, he was probably not the easiest man to live with. He berated her repeatedly for spending money because her son, his son, had gone blind from a brain tumor. And she was seeking treatment, medical treatment for it, and it was costing money, and he berated her repeatedly throughout the rest of her life that she had spent all of this money. Now I bring this up because 
he reminds me of the quote that's actually attributed to Rockefeller, which was, you know, how much money do you need? And Rockefeller said, just a little bit more. Uh, how do we respond to blessings? We looked last week, and the nature of the Trinity is that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, overflow with blessings towards you and I. And so as Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 1, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God has poured out his blessing on us. The question is, what do you do with it? How do you handle blessing? And it's not even a question that's necessarily related to how much blessing I have. It reveals the heart and the nature and the character because J. Paul Getty had more money than anyone else in the world, and yet the more he got, the stingier he became rather than being someone who would overflow and bless others. And so how do we handle this? And again, we're going back because the whole point of this teaching is what does the life of the Trinity tell us about it? Because if we're understanding and thinking in a Trinitarian fashion, the question's already answered for us. So let's begin by looking at the Trinity and mission. Notice that this passage is once again built upon the Trinity. So here we have Jesus speaking in John chapter 20, and we're told that Jesus, the Son, said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then we're told he breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So notice John specifically in this text mentions all three persons within the Trinity. He could have just said, and he said, because Jesus was the one who was there and was talking, but he doesn't. He brings out Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit. And his reason for doing this is he's wanting us to understand it's built upon the Trinity. It should be apparent to you and I by now, I've just picked seven and we could continue on, that every aspect of the life and the ministry, the relationships, the mission of the church are built upon the triune God. Literally, all that we believe as Christians is built upon the Trinity. We were created by the Trinity. We were created in the image of the Trinity. We were reconciled and redeemed by the work of the Trinity. We exist as a church by the plan and life of the Trinity, and we're going to spend eternity growing in our knowledge, service, worship, and experience of the triune God. Literally, everything that is about us, everything we can say about the church, flows out of the Trinity. And if it does not, if we cannot discover how it is rooted in the Trinity, in the Trinitarian life of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we might want to question whether this is something the church actually ought to be engaged in, and whether the church is actually growing and looking the way God wants it to do. Our God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, is the foundation and source of all reality. To deny, ignore, or minimize the Trinity is to embrace a wildly distorted view of reality. Those who don't understand the Trinity and are not consciously thinking about it, you can bet to that degree they're distorting what reality actually is. Part of what I've been trying to say in this series is the Trinity is not some weird creation of the church in the fourth century. It is the foundation of all reality and all life. 
God, before anything else existed, was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a relationship of love and glory and sharing and overflowing with blessing. And all of creation is simply the overflow and expression of that. Now, in this context, this is talking about the ministry of the church. It's not just Trinitarian. This week, we're looking at how that relates to the ministry of the church. So notice Jesus says in verse 21, as the Father has sent me, I am uh, sending you. Now, to remind ourselves, in John chapter 20, this is the day of the resurrection. Jesus is here, the risen Christ. He has completed the work that the Father had sent him here to do, and he is now commissioning his disciples. He is commissioning the church for what we are going to do and how we are going to carry on his ministry. And I'm going to expand this in just a moment, but notice right off, the first thing is that as the Father sent me, I am sending you. This means when we're going to talk about the mission of the church and why we are here, we need to be looking and saying, well, why did the Father send the Son? Why was the Son anointed with the Holy Spirit with power? Because that's going to define who we are, how we live our lives, uh, our view of the world, and what we do as a church. And it means that ministry is not an optional add-on. This is not something separate because, again, Jesus roots it back in the Trinity. It's not something, well, you know, if you got the time, if you come across the resources, these are the kind of things you ought to do. Jesus is saying, no, as out of the overflow of the life of the Trinity I came, so out of the overflow of the life of the Trinity you are being sent and you're going to continue the exact same mission that I have been doing. So, what is the mission of the church? And specifically, how do we look at the Trinitarian mission of the church? Now again, as I just stated, we need to see first off that the mission of the church is an overflow of the life and action of the Trinity. Again, notice that we see the entire Trinity. Jesus the Son uh, has been sent by the Father and he's giving us the Holy Spirit. And so whatever else Jesus is going to tell us about mission, he's saying, as the Father sent the Son, so the Son is sending the church out on the same mission. John's account of the mission is showing us, because you know John doesn't record the great commission that's given later that we think about. This is the, the part that John records to tell us what the mission of the church is. And it shows that our ministry is an overflow of the life and the activity of the Trinity. Of course, we could go to the Great Commission and see the exact same thing, because we're told you know, you're going to go out and you're going to minister and make disciples, you're going to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It always flows back to the Trinity. And so the church needs to first conceive of the fact that when we're thinking about our mission, our mission is yet one more example of the overflow of the nature and the life of the Trinity. It's simply flowing out through the church. So that's the first point. And uh, so we, we recognize here that, of course, what Jesus is saying is the Father so loves the world, he sends the Son. And the Son so loves the world, he sends the Spirit onto us, who so loves the world that he propels us out into mission. There is this overflow, Father and Son and Spirit, into us that propels us on mission. Second point is, we are empowered by the Spirit for the mission. 
Notice here it's not unrelated that Jesus says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on him and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, first off, notice he pronounces the blessing of peace. This is his version of, you know, Aaron's benediction. This is what we talked about last week. He said, look, God's blessing is on you. The peace of God is upon you. And therefore, because the peace of God is on you, just as I was sent by the Father, so I'm sending you. But you need to understand something. You cannot accomplish the mission of God on your own. You cannot accomplish it in your power. You need the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus here, in a picture that is just back to Genesis uh, 2, if you remember, we read in Genesis 2 that as Adam is created, how does God bring him to life and, and give him his mission? He breathes on him, and Adam became a living being. So here, the creator, the leader of the new creation stands, and he breathes on the disciples, and he says, you are alive, and I am sending you forth on mission. Just like Adam was sent forth to fill the earth, to multiply it, to bless it, to be the image of God in the earth, I'm doing the same thing with you. And remember, this is in John 20, on the day of the resurrection, but if you read John 14 through 17, remember that's the upper room discourse in Jesus' high priestly prayer. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is suddenly talking all the time about the Holy Spirit coming. He's telling them, the disciples, I'm going away. It's making you sad, but it's actually to your good. Because when I go away, the Spirit is going to come. And He's going to come upon you in power. And He's going to testify of the truth to you. And He's going to speak through you to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so He's been preparing them for this. And now He says, the Holy Spirit is imparted to you. He is given to you so that you can go forth on mission. And this is important because we need to understand the mission we have been given is far greater than we can accomplish in our own strength. If you conceive of the mission of the church, or I conceive of the mission in a church in a way that I sit back and say, I think I could pull this off, then you are not accurately conceiving of the mission of the church. It should rock us back on our heels and say, we are being asked of more than we can do. We are being asked to give more than we have. And God says, you are now in the, the first step of wisdom. You're in the first step of understanding. You cannot, but I am imparting the Holy Spirit to you so that the blessing you have been given is now imparted and increased by the person of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to empower you to do the mission of God. And so we can't do it, but we are given the Spirit to empower us to go forth and to fulfill God's purpose and call for his people. The third thing, it's not only Trinitarian that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, our mission is a continuation of the mission of Jesus. So notice what he says here, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Now I'm not going to be able to unpack all of what that means, but just like we looked a couple of weeks ago, forgive just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We need to approach the topic of forgiveness by saying, how much has God forgiven me? What, what happened? You know, we looked, remember we said that forgiveness is always costly. That's why Jesus had to be sacrificed. And we meditated a little bit on it. Jesus is telling us, you need to do the same thing here. Just like you have meditated 
uh, on the topic of forgiveness by thinking how the triune God has worked forgiveness. You now need to meditate on your mission relative to how the Father sent the Son and empowered him by the Holy Spirit to send him out on mission. What does that mean for us? So we are a continuation of the mission of Jesus in the earth. As Jesus, the blessed one, came to extend blessing to us, we are blessed and being sent forth to extend it to others. Think about it as well. Even with the second point we just made about the, the Holy Spirit, how was Jesus anointed for ministry? With the Holy Spirit. If you remember, I mean, obviously the Spirit overshadowed Mary even for the conception. We read that when Jesus begins his public ministry uh, at his water baptism, the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and the Father says, you know, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And, and they quote out of Isaiah and say that the Father is putting the Spirit on the Son without measure. Uh, and in a text we'll look at in a minute, you remember when Jesus began his public ministry, the first sermon he ever preached, his text was, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me and he has anointed me. And in fact, the word Christ, we sometimes think it's like Jesus' last name, like Brett Hicks. It's not. The word Christ means anointed one, one who has been anointed. It's the same thing that Messiah means. And he is anointed with the Holy Spirit. And so just as Jesus was anointed with the Spirit, he's saying, I'm anointing you with the Spirit because you're continuing my mission. The same things I was doing, you're going to be doing. Now, obviously, you and I can't die for the sins of the world. Okay, we're not perfect. We can't give ourselves as a sacrifice. But our mission is defined by the mission of Jesus and is a continuation of his mission here on the earth. So his mission was related to the forgiveness of sins. So will ours be. Okay, and the other aspects of Jesus's ministry, what he was sent to accomplish. So we are sent to continue that mission in the earth. And again, I'd encourage you, you can meditate on that more and think of what it means as the father sent me so i am being sent fourth thing that flows out of this text is our mission is primarily therefore to spread the gospel jesus's life and ministry was primarily regarding the forgiveness of our sins and so ours is going to be related to the forgiveness of sins so notice after jesus breathes and gives them the holy spirit he says if you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So he's telling us the mission on which we are sent primarily deals with the forgiveness of sins, just like Jesus does. Now, this is not a statement that Brett gets to decide your eternal destiny. Who can say amen and thanks be to God for that, Right? Okay, and it's not a statement you get to go out and if a coworker ticks you off tomorrow, you can say, your sins are not forgiven. Okay, that's not what Jesus tells us to do because he's already told us we have to forgive as we've been forgiven. Uh, God is going to be the one who judges, not us. This is not a statement that we get to pick and choose who will be saved. What it is a statement of doing is we proclaim the gospel. And the gospel declares that if you believe that you are saved and your sins are 
forgiven. So that when Peter was asked on the day of Pentecost, what must we do? He said, repent and be baptized. And for the forgiveness of sins, your sins are washed away as you call on the name of the Lord. Peter doesn't say, you know, we'll check back. Maybe it'll happen. When Paul's with the Philippian jailer and the guy falls down and says, what must I do? Paul does not say, well, I'm not sure. We'll check back with God and see. He says, no, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And the same promises for your household. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be forgiven. And so Jesus here is saying our mission is that we go forth and we proclaim the gospel. We tell people repent and believe and your sins will be forgiven. And conversely, if you refuse to repent and believe, your sins will remain upon you. Regard, it doesn't matter how much works of ministry you do, how many good things you do that you think your good outweighs your bad, know that your sins will remain upon you unless they are washed away by Christ. There is no other way. You remember Jesus actually in one point to think of, you know, as he was sent, so are we. The Pharisees came to him and said, are, are you saying we're still blind? And Jesus said, if you admitted that you were blind, then you would see. But because you refuse to, you remain in your blindness and you remain in your sin. Your sins are still upon you. And we have the responsibility to declare the same message. And of course, this is an extension of exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to live, to die, and to be raised so that our sins might be forgiven. That is what is central in the message of Jesus. This was his message and his mission, and we are sent forth to proclaim all that he has done for this. And so that means that the proclamation of the gospel must always be the first and foundational mission of the church. And so, so hear me on this. A church that is Trinitarian in its mission will understand this. A church that no longer proclaims the gospel found in Scripture has ceased to be a church. I don't care what else they're doing. If they don't believe the gospel, if they don't proclaim the gospel, if they aren't reaching out and proclaiming it to others, popular or unpopular, whether it's what people want to hear or not, a church that is not believing, embracing, and proclaiming the gospel is not a church. It's a social club. That is all it is. And this is a warning to us because there are many organizations in our country right now that have church written over their door and they are not a church. They do not believe the gospel. They are not proclaiming the gospel. They are not a church because you are not on the mission of God if it is not first and foremost about the forgiveness of sins. However, it doesn't stop there. The final point is that our mission is also to minister the physical needs of people. Mercy ministry, or what some people have called the social gospel, social ministry. We are to do both. It's not recorded here in John's gospel, this specific point, but it's under the thing of, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So what did Jesus do? Well, he obviously worked salvation for the forgiveness of our sins, but he also ministered to the physical needs of people. Remember, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus said, here's my text. This is what defines my mission. This is how I begin my ministry. Here's the text he picked. 
the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is saying it's Jubilee year. I am here and debts are forgiven and everything is released and free. In other words, I am here to minister to people. And if you remember in reference to this text, when John the Baptist was getting confused and said, are you the one to come? I I thought you were. And Jesus told him, go back and tell John what you're seeing. The sick are being healed. The dead are being raised. Lepers are being cleansed. I'm doing the works that you know the Messiah was going to do. John, don't get confused as to who I am. This is part of who Jesus was. Think of his ministry. He fed the poor. He healed the sick. He freed the captive. All of this was part of the mission of Jesus. And therefore, as the Father sent him, so we are sent in that same way. And if we don't embrace this, we're embracing a truncated vision of the mission of the church. Because God is concerned not only with our spiritual needs, but also our physical needs. The external, visible, physical actions that Jesus did were pointers to the identity of Jesus the Messiah coming to save us. And so it is essential that we are engaged in this. And if we think about this as part of the life of the Trinity, one of the things that sometimes the evangelical church has messed up is we realize that God is the creator. And we say, yes, he made everything. We go back in Genesis and we'll fight for that. We believe God created. We're we're not people who are materialists. We don't believe everything just evolved by blind random chance. God's our creator. But then when it comes to practically living our lives, we act like, well, there was creation, but now there's redemption and we don't care about creation. But see, the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are involved in creating and they're also involved in redemption. And we're told even at the end, Jesus is redeeming everything. There is a new creation. There is a new heavens. There is a new earth. Uh, He is working and purifying and bringing everything under his lordship. The same God that created is the same God who redeems. And the God who sends us forth on mission to minister to the spiritual needs of people by the gospel also sends us forth on mission to minister to their physical needs. They are not two separate things. They work together, just like they did in the ministry of Jesus. And so, as in Jesus's ministry, when he was feeding the 5,000, when he was healing the sick, when he was doing all these things, they were pointers towards the, the truth of the gospel. They were pointers towards who he was and what he was doing. So in the same way, when the church serves the poor, when the church serves the marginalized, when the church stands against injustice in our culture, these actions give testimony to the truth of the gospel. And if we don't, we are undermining the truth of the gospel. Consider John, the apostle who recorded Jesus' words, wrote these words later in 1 John 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, 
Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. John says, if the love of God is not overflowing out of you to actually work to touch the physical needs of people, something is wrong. How can that be? Because coming out of the ministry of Jesus, see, this is John reflecting and saying, as the Father sent the Son, so the Son has sent us. Well, when the Father sent the Son, that included not only proclaiming the good news, it also included ministry to the physical needs of people. Therefore, we have to do the same thing. And if we're not, how can the love of God be in us? So, a church that does not minister to the physical needs of people, that is not involved in the fight against injustice, that is not involved in loving and caring for the poor and the marginalized, that church has a truncated vision of its mission and is ultimately going to undermine the spread of the gospel itself. It's not two purposes, it's one. That's why in our missions and ministry, you know, this month we're praying for work that's going on in China, and that China is primarily, that work in China is primarily about spreading the gospel. We, you know, we support the underground work in Iran that's going on. But we also support works that are doing medical mission work. We support people who are helping feed the poor. We're supporting people who are helping rescue girls out of the sex slave trade. Because do you realize that if I go to a, a woman who's trapped in the sex slave trade in Bombay and say, your sins can be forgiven, repent and believe, and then say, just continue being a sex slave, what, what would your response to me be? What, what is your understanding of the mission of Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have done that? Of course he would want to free her. We have to give ourselves to fighting those things as well because it's not two missions, it's one mission because it's the mission of the Trinity in the earth. Ask yourself, even among unbelievers out there, why is anybody, the very air that every human being is breathing right now, who does it belong to? Jesus said who causes it to rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous, the grateful and the ungrateful? God does. See, and if, if you haven't ever been, go to a third world country and look, and I can assure you, you don't find that it rains on the crops of the Christians and the people who worship false gods, they don't get it. It doesn't work that way. It's falling on everybody that's the way that God's at work. And God is saying, that's the life of the Trinity. He blesses even those who are ungrateful. He blesses those who even use his very air to deny his existence. He is still kind to those who are ungrateful towards him. And Jesus says, as God sent me to do that, I send you to be the same way. In a world that always says, I'll scratch your back if, you scratch mine, we should be the only people who say, it doesn't matter what your response is. Because I'm here, to, I've been blessed, and I'm gonna be a blessing. Whether you like me, care for me, do whatever, I'm here to serve. I'm gonna tell you the good news, and I'm gonna follow it up with good works. So how do we apply this? I'm gonna talk first just a little bit about the, the whole series just briefly, and then talk about us being sent out to be a blessing. The first question is, do I have a Trinitarian view of the life in church? This has just been seven weeks of looking at this, but I, 
I, I want you to understand, we need to have an expanded view of the life uh, of the church as being essentially Trinitarian. I have joked for years, you know, you hear some preachers, and this is a scary statement, you know, I can find tithing on every page of the Bible, which is funny because I can't at all. But I can find the Trinity everywhere in the Scripture. The, the Trinity is the foundation of life, is the, is the foundation of the, of the ministry and the mission of the church. This is fundamental. Nothing gets more fundamental than the doctrine of the Trinity. And we need to see and understand that. And when we, when we meditate, much of this began for me when I had to write a term paper like in 1996 or 7 or something like that in seminary. And it was on the Trinity. And it was about the Trinity as the divine community. That, that's been going off in my mind ever since. Thinking of what that means. That at its core, life is relational. And not just because we've developed a culture that way, but because that's the way God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist and has existed from eternity. He is a relational God, always overflowing, always pressing towards the other, love back and forth, and we have been made in that image. The Trinity, the one and the many, unity and diversity, that is woven throughout creation. And as I've said, we always in our sin, I want to run to either uniformity or chaos. That's my sin. But I should expect, if God is triune, if that is the ultimate reality, then I should expect unity and diversity everywhere I look. And this has implications not just for the church. We were talking in our Connect group about it, even as parents. If you're a parent and you have multiple children, you find out very, very quickly they are not the same. And you're like, it's the same genetic material. I do not understand this. How did they end up so completely different from one another? Because there's one and there's many. There is unity and there's diversity. And the more we understand that, every couple that comes together, the two shall be one. There is unity and there is diversity. And most often, when we fight against that, that's when trouble arises. That's when trouble is knocking at the door. And that's not just because, well, that's just the way it happens to be. It's because we're rebelling against the very nature of the Trinity. We're rebelling against reality. When we think about it, the Trinity, overflowing beauty, love, and blessing. This is the nature of our God before anything else existed. This should be our focus and define our approach to life. My approach to life should be that I have been blessed to overflowing with beauty and goodness and love and blessing, and I'm just going to let that flow to the people around me. And there is no danger of it running out. Until the triune God runs dry, I'm not going to run dry. That is his promise. A Life and church modeled after the Trinity uh, is beautiful in contrast to everything we're watching around us. Friends, right? It, it, 2020 has, has put a spotlight on ugliness around us. It is all around in our culture. I can't hardly take reading the news, looking at social media right now, because it's just people spewing ugliness at one another, including many Christians who are trying to justify it. And when we're doing that, we need to hear, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And Jesus did not come to spew ugliness. 
He came to spread beauty and love and the very life of the triune God, including, remember, on the cross, Father, forgive them, not Lord, fire them up. Do them. Look what they're doing. That was not his prayer. And I remind you, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, as he's being stoned, looks up and sees Jesus, and what does he say? Lord, do not lay this sin to their account, because my life is flowing from the Trinity, and the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit, this is the way they are, and that's the way I am called to be. So in my sin, I'm tempted to reject this, but we are called to embrace the Trinity in our thought, in our life, in our actions. And so we want to, we need to remind ourselves of this, and I encourage you as well for the future, particularly with the church. We are so tempted. This is what we do. I want a church that's just like me. Everybody thinks like me and looks like me and has the same background as me because that'll make it easier for me. That is not what the church is. Of all places, the community where you live may be that way. The office where you work may be that way. The church should not be that way. It's fighting against the very nature of the Trinity when we are that way. God wants us to be a reflection. So I encourage you, as Paul told Timothy, reflect deeply on this and the Lord will give you insight into all that we're talking about because I've actually just scratched the surface in this series. Last thing, and we'll conclude with prayer, is just to remind us, the reason the series ended the way it is, is you and I are sent on mission. The ultimate focus of all of this, from the very first week when we talked about God reconciling and making the two one, all the way through looking at forgiveness and humble servanthood and unity and diversity and Uh, And last week at Blessing is the fact that we are blessed. But we are not blessed to be J. Paul Getty. We are not blessed to say, I will bless you to the limit of my tax return. And only as a last resort. We are blessed to say, what I've been given freely, I'm going to give freely. I've been blessed, I'm going to be a blessing. The Trinity is so glorious and so blessed. The biblical picture is that His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loved one another and related with one another. Creation is just the overflow and the spill out of that. God did not need you and me. It's a sign of how blessed He is that we even exist. And God says, as I overflow with that blessing, as I overflow with that life and that love, you are to overflow the same way. Trinitarian life and blessing is always on mission to spread the blessing. If it was not, there would have been no creation. It would have ceased at the fall, and, and it would not continue moment by moment right now. But the very nature of the triune God is to overflow life and blessing, and it's called to be that way for us. So the call to you and me is the blessing of the Trinity has overflowed into my life personally, into my family, and here into BRCC. And it needs to flow through us to the world around us. We don't hold on to it. We let it flow through us to everyone around us. And so I want to encourage and challenge you, whatever your place, even if you're listening 
because you can't come because you have underlying conditions that mean you have to be very careful right now and you can't be out in public places. You've been blessed and you can still be a blessing in prayer. Never discount that. You can, you can take extra time and extra effort right now to be pouring out in prayer for God to be at work. Those of us who can in personal relationships and in serving our community, looking for ways. Again, the world, the worse things get. And friends, it may get worse again in the future. The first temptation of the world is to withdraw into itself. We need to be the ones that say, oh no, 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 we are on mission. Come what may, because my resources are not the U.S. economy. My resources are not whatever I've got as natural talent. My resources is the blessed Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's a well that never runs dry. Amen? So we're going to stand together and let's pray for God to send us forth on mission and then we will have our benediction. Father, I have tried in this series to help us meditate and reflect in a little bit of an extended fashion on who you are, what it means, our God, that from eternity you have been one God, eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That your very nature, Father, Son, and Spirit, is not isolation but community, is pressing into one another. And that out of your glory and your beauty and your love and your life overflowed all that exists. Father, I pray you would build this into our mind. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would give us insight and understanding. Holy Spirit of God, anoint us that we might think deeply and that our approach to life would be based on reality of who you are and how you live. Our triune God, I pray for us as individuals in a congregation that we would be shaped and molded not by what's going on in the culture around us, not by what we're reading on the latest blog or came across uh, in some news report. I pray we would be shaped and the reality that would define us is the life and the beauty and the glory and the overflowing blessing of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. May that shape our minds. May it mold our desires. May it propel us forward in mission. Father, Son, and Spirit, you have blessed us, and we are blessed. Lord, may we go forth as the Father sent the Son and anointed Him with the Holy Spirit, send us forth, anointed with the Spirit, that we might continue that mission to be a blessing everywhere we go. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to conclude with...
just part of Psalm 67, one of my absolute favorite psalms. So I encourage you to receive the blessing of God and then go forth and be a blessing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that his ways may be known upon the earth, his salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. O God, our God, bless us so that all the ends of the earth may fear you. Go forth blessed and be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.